0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Glad you're in the house of God today. We're starting a new series, as you saw, and I am fully aware of the video that there were things in there. that may have been a little bit inappropriate today, but we want to do that to make a point that each one of us in here can be held in bondages, maybe to be in... A habitual liar, very deceptive. Maybe we've got a little potty mouth. Maybe we've got problems with some form of addiction. So our our main uh, scripture tech for the next couple months, and I'm going to say months, I don't know how far we'll go, will be John chapter 8, verse 36, where the Lord Jesus said, Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. The message says he's, he's free through and through. So again, we're going to give you some biblical stuff here today to help you so we can walk in the freedom that Jesus died for us. So if you need a Bible to you get your hand up, I welcome you as a visitor. Uh, again, get your hand up, our ushers will assist you, and once you get your Bible, go with me to Galatians 5, then we will go to Exodus 16, Galatians 5. If you need to turn there, if you need to click there, if you need to scroll there. Whatever you're doing, I know everybody looks at the Bible differently now, so just get into the Word of God and God will get into you. And again, what we're looking at here is uh, sin patterns, destructive patterns in our life, and this isn't a new thing. Actually, Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, he said, the thing I don't want to do or the thing I hate to do, that's what I do. And so right there, Paul was informing us, that once we give our heart to Jesus, there's a conflict. There's a tension. Actually, it's like a tug of war within us. How many of you have ever experienced that? Where you think, man, I don't want to do this, but that's what I keep doing. Probably all of us in here. So this is one of the reasons we're going to teach on it. All right. Galatians 5, verse 1. Stand fast or stand firm, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom by which Christ has made us free, past tense, which Christ has made us free. So that tells me he's already paid a price. Now the word or the phrase made us free means to liberate. It means to acquit. Actually, it's used exclusively for Jesus setting people free from any form of bondage and stuff. So we go ahead and read the rest of this verse. And do not be entangled again. Do not be ensnared again. So he he insinuates here that don't go back into your previous lifestyle or your previous past. Don't be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now the word bondage there means to be enslaved to something or someone. And every one of us in here have probably been in bondage to something. And so, when we go back or we be again entangled to those things that used to keep us in bondage, to a degree, we're saying to the Lord Jesus, What you died for wasn't just quite enough. Well, it was quite enough. And so, again, Jesus wants to not only set us free, Jesus wants us to help us to keep us free, to stay free from our past. Now, turn back into the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And we can walk in the freedom that Jesus has already purchased for each one of us. Now, when we get here into Exodus chapter 16, this is a passage about the Israelites. Let me give you a little history lesson. The Israelites were held in bondage for over 400 years to the Egyptians. Now, you're, you're in severe bondage when you're held captive like that for 400 years so now god moves them out of egypt and he's taken them to the promised land they're walking in victory they're walking in freedom this is where we pick up exodus 16 verse 1 and they the israelites they journeyed from elam and all the congregation of the children of israel came to the wilderness of sin now when you study the wilderness of sin that was a hard place that's not an easy place So their life is becoming a little bit difficult. He goes on to say, which is between Elam and and Mount Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. So this is approximately six weeks or a month and a half. They've walked in freedom. They've been out of that place of bondage. Now a little bit of life is beginning to get hard. A little bit of difficulty. Life is beginning to squeeze them. And as human beings, when life begins to squeeze us, you find out what's on the inside of you. Verse 2. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel, they complained. They complained. And so because of the inconveniences, life begins to squeeze them. They begin to complain. Now again, every one of us in this room—we're going to have life squeezes. But how do I respond when life squeezes me? Do I complain? See, King David himself said in Psalms 34, he said, "I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth." So, literally, when King David said, "I'll bless the Lord at all times," he was saying. Good times, bad times, sad times, mad times, ugly times, beautiful times, happy times. But he said, I'm going to make the choice in my my heart. No matter what I'm going through in life, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to honor the Lord. So right here, this is where me and you come into this passage. Are we complainers or are we worshipers? Do we honor God? Now, the very opposite of complaining would be a person that's grateful and thankful. That's the way we express ourselves to God. Man, Father God, I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I I, I thank you. You're never going to leave me. I thank you. You're faithful. You're a a faithful God. And so, again, we have a choice to make just like they did. Keep reading there in verse 2. So they complained. Against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They complained against Moses and Aaron. It's real easy in life to blame other people. Real easy. You know, I would have I graduated from Harvard if it wasn't for my high school teacher. I would have been in the, the football hall of fame if my high school coach wouldn't have done this to me. See, it's very easy to get over and complain about what other people, and so they're doing, they're holding you back. But when I begin to complain against other people in this situation, they were really blaming God. But when you do that, you are living an excuse. And it will hold us in bondage. So they go on to say in verse 3, And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into the wilderness to kill us, this whole assembly. And so, right here, they start reflecting back into their life. They go back to when they were slaves in Egypt. And remember in Galatians 5 verse 1, it said, Don't be entangled again to those bondages. Don't go back to them. Well, when you read this right here, you kind of get the thought, these guys had it great in Egypt. Life was wonderful in Egypt. We had bread. We had pots of meat. We sat around the campfire singing Kumbaya. It was so awesome. But when I study in the Bible about their lives, when they, were, they didn't have a good. They were slaves, but yet they were returning back to Egypt to their past bondages. Turn back just a couple pages to Exodus 6. and I, I want to read this to you. So you really, really get a glimpse of what their life was like when they were there. But it would be like me and you. That's part of my Bible falling out. I need to get the gorilla glue back out. I'm serious. <laughs> so anyhow, many times in our life we have the thought, well... You know, when I was a sinner, I had it so good. Before I gave my heart to Jesus, my life was easy. And you, you are believing a lie. You're believing a tale, okay? Exodus 6, verse 5. Now, this is the Lord talking, and He said, I have also heard the groanings of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage. I've heard their groanings. Now... If he's hearing your groanings, life isn't real good. And he goes on to say, i whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I've remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. Now, just reading that right there alone, their life in Egypt wasn't real good. But there's where they're wanting to go back. Verse 7. I will take you as my people. I will be your God. Then you shall know that I'm the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of Egyptians. I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Now, listen to this in verse 9. So Moses spoke this to the children of Israel. But they did not heed Moses because of the anguish of spirit. Because they were beaten down with cruel bondage. So again, right here, they act like their life used to be so great. So literally, they revert back to their past. They begin to be entangled with their old way. Now as you look at this, three times in that passage... He referenced the word bondage. The word bondage means the condition of being a slave to something or someone. It is to live dissatisfied. And so literally here, they are in search for satisfaction. Remember when the Rolling Stones sang, I can't get no satisfaction? Mick Jagger said, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and I tried, and guess what? That boy's still trying. Because the only person that gives me true, lasting satisfaction is the Lord Jesus. Every one of us in this room. That's the only way. So here's our thought in this life. When we start living dissatisfied, we think, you know what? If I could just change my do. And what I mean by our do is outward stuff. We always have the thought, you know what, if I could just get a new job, my life would be so much better. If I could just move to a new city, life would be so much better. If I could just get a new hairdo, oh, life would be so much better. If I could just get a new wife, I'm going to trade Shelly in on a newer model, life would be so much better. That's a joke, okay? But again, everything that I begin to talk about... I mean, we can go out and get new Jordans. We can get a new purse. We can get all... But it's all outward. And once you find out about things outwardly, they're going to grow old. They're going to get old and go rusty and everything. So it's not about these outward things. It's about when Jesus comes into my life and begins to change me. And so when Jesus changes me... It's not about my due. It's about who I become in Christ Jesus. So I said, Lord, come in and change me. Come in and change me from the inside out. Now, how does that look? Well, go with me back in the New Testament to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So here's what happens. We have these patterns or these cycles in our life that oftentimes aren't good. And so... We understand as believers we can say certain things and act certain ways. So literally we can come in here week after week, day after day. And we can fake it till we make it. You may pull that off for a while, but you're going to live dissatisfied. i got to let Jesus come in and start doing the work in us that he wants to do. And remember, he said, I want to set you free. I want to help you. So we begin here. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 15. And he died for all. He died for every one of us. No, no matter how bad you think you are, or no matter how good you think you are, he still died for you, okay? That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and he rose for them. So Jesus becomes the substitute for every one of us, and he becomes our representation. Well, that's a good thing when we get a hold of this. Verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we know... From now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, the outward man, the external, the worldly standards. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh... Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So now we got a question mark. How do I become in Christ Jesus? Well, I come to Jesus just as a human being, and I confess my sins before him, and I ask Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord of my life, and according to this, I become a new creation. Now when you get born again, you don't get a new body. You don't get a new earth suit. And wouldn't that be nice? I'm going to get born again today and all my wrinkles are going to be gone. I'm going to get born again I'm going to get all buffed up like these 20 year olds. Get rid of that furniture disease. What's that? drawers dropped into my pants that's the furniture disease so again we all look for outward things but when get born again jesus comes on the inside of us and he changes our heart and he changes our nature and remember what he said he died for every one of us keep reading here in verse 17 old things have passed away that old man, that old nature has passed away. So now my identification's in Jesus. The old, old, old things have now become new. So guess what? Jesus comes in and he does extreme makeovers on the inside of people. So I've read this passage for years. I don't know how many times I've read 2 Corinthians 2, chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he becomes a new creation. I'm looking at it the other day, and the word become there really gets my attention. So I look at the word become, and I begin to follow it. And the Greek word for become is the same Greek word that I find out in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. So Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall become one. So that word become one there, it really gets my attention. So how do you become one in a marriage covenant? You do these things called vows. You look at each other and you repeat this. I'll love you for the rest of my life. I'll rub you through thicker and thinner. I'll love you through hair and no hair. And those aren't real vows, okay? We're just throwing them in there again. So again, when we see those things, the way I get uh, married is I do these vows, which would be a confession or an affirmation. So the minute that me and Shelly, we go through our marriage vows, in God's eyes, we are now married. Nothing changed outwardly. Nothing changed physically. I didn't get any more ugly or pretty than I was. I just made these vows, and in God's eyes, something happened to our heart that we become one. Now, when that happened, I'm not a quarter of the way married. I'm not a halfway married. I'm fully married. I'm all in. So now, my refrigerator is not mine. It's ours. My wallet is no longer mine. It's ours. My home is not mine. It's ours. And so you know in a marriage covenant, as long as there's fellowship and as long as there's communication, you stay in that covenant. I heard Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, say this years ago. They asked her, what's the the, the great ingredients of a great marriage? And she said, Two great forgivers and two great repenters. What does that mean, Pastor? I believe when we're quick to repent, it keeps us in fellowship. So now we go back and we look at this in light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And he said that when I become in Christ Jesus, I become a new creation. So guess what? We become married to Jesus. And everything that he died for, I become a partaker of that just because he did it. I'm married to him. And so, again, Jesus doesn't want to just date. Jesus didn't want to have a, and I don't mean this ugly, and this may come across it. Jesus did not want to have a one-night stand. Jesus is not into dating. Jesus is not in just to a little dabble do. You? Jesus is into marinating. He said, I want all of you. And as long as you keep hanging around me, and when you do mess up, you repent, you stay in that covenant, and we become one with him. And so everything that Jesus died for, guess what? We're partakers of that. So again, he doesn't want to just change my do. He wants to change my who. Who I am in Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to go to the book of Ephesians. Chapter number 4. Ephesians 4. How many of you figure this out in marriage? It's a daily process. You know, when you say those marriage vows, Woo, you're in love. We're in love. We're in love. We go on the honeymoon and we're in love. And then the first time I don't pick my underwear up, all hell breaks loose and we're not in love. And the first time I forget to lift the toilet seat up and then put it down, we're not in love no more. So you know what I've learned to do? I've learned to be, good, be a good repenter and say, dear, I'm sorry. From the heart, I'm sorry. So again, it keeps me in fellowship. Well, that's the same with the Lord Jesus. Now, he gives us some great insight here in Ephesians. This is the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 4, verse 17. And above my Bible, on verse 17, it says the new man. Woohoo! That's going to be us right here. Watch this. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. So, as a new creation, I'm not to walk like the world walks. I'm not to act like the world. I'm to act like Jesus. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm the city that's set on a hill. That Jesus said, man, you're my representation. So, again, he's telling us, leave that way that you used to walk. You're walking differently now. He says, in the futility. Now, that word futility there, it means hopelessly. It means confused. It means folly. It means perverse. It means empty. It means deceptive desires. And he said, Do not walk in the futility of their minds. What does that mean? you got to change the way you think. you got to quit thinking like the world thinks. So in the Israelites' case, he led them out of Egypt physically, but Egypt wasn't out of them in their mind, in their soul, and in their heart. And so every one of us in here, when we get born again, that's the starting point. I give my heart to Jesus, and I become a new creation in Christ, but I'm a work in process. I'm becoming one with Christ, and I've got to get my mind renewed to the Word of God. That's uh, Romans 12 too. He says, do not be conformed, Do not be shaped, don't be molded to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Now watch how this comes to play because this is very important. Verse 18 is loaded. Having their understanding darkened. Having their minds darkened. Their reasoning is cloudy. When I start walking back to my former way of life, i got to keep hanging out with Jesus. Being alienated from the life of God, being excluded, separated, self-banished. I've wandered from the life of God. So you know what he's just telling me here? Don't be entangled again to the things I delivered you from. Don't go back into those alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Now, he's not saying we're ignorant. He's saying you're ignorant to the things of God. That's Hosea 4, 6. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So he's telling me and you, we got to get a hold of the word, and I start living by the word of God. And then the last thing he says in this, because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness of their heart is is due to deep-seated sin. You know, sin will work you. Sin will work you and work you and work you. And the reason our hearts become hard is because of this thing called sin. Now, this is how sin looks. And I I did this earlier, and I'm going to do it again, just to give you an illustration This is sin. And this is where sin starts out. We sin. It starts kicking us around. And we sin a little more. And the farther I kick it, the farther I get away from God. But when I begin to repent from my heart, it keeps me in fellowship with God. But the more I sin, the harder my heart gets. And the harder my heart gets, the more alienated I am from God. And the further I'm alienated from God, the harder my heart gets. And before long, I don't care about sin. And you find out with sin that sin starts in the private life, but before long we're not shamed about it. And so we just say, you know what, it's my life, I'll sin if I want. And you can do that, but Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And so when I live hard-hearted and I keep hanging around with sin, this is what happens. And the thing about sin for every one of us in here, we're not exempt from it. That's why, man, I'm, I'm going to harp on this. We've got to repent. We've got to repent. Now, I'm going to review last week just a little bit. In Isaiah 29, 13, he said, They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. When I read that, how many of you have ever repented from your lips and said, Oh, Father God, I'm sorry, but my heart wasn't in it. It it was almost just a form of confession Confessing my sin. I mean it's like praise and worship. I can come in here and I can worship. I mean I I can harmonize with the praise and worship team. I mean I can get into it. And my heart be watching the cowboys. And you may say, Are you serious? I'm serious. I mean, how many times have you been in here and praise and worship and you're thinking, bang, I hope that roast isn't burning? Again, I, I, I can be real with this because I understand how the, 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 the things of our imagination go. But something happens when I come before God and say, Lord, I don't want to just repent and give you lip service. I want to repent from my heart. And here's the things with every one of us in this room. Even you who think you're, 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 you're perfect. We're all going to blow it in sin. The key is this. When I blow it and I do sin, does it bother me? Do you know before I got born again, it didn't bother me to sin. I had a letter jacket in sin. But when I gave my heart to Jesus, and I said, Lord, I don't want to sin no more. I don't want to do those things. And so I come and I just repent from Him and say, Lord, I, I, I want to change in my heart. And this is some of the stuff he's getting over to. Now watch where we go here in verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness. Now when we talk about lewdness, it's apathy. We begin to endure or, or, or enjoy impurities in our life. And he said they've given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness. They work lustful pleasures. They practice impurities. And you begin to see with Paul how the progression begins to go. And then he even said the last word there is greediness. And greediness is all about me. I just live for me. Everybody bow to me. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. You hadn't learned Jesus. Now watch this in verse 21. If indeed you have heard Jesus and have been taught by Jesus, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. The Amplified says you strip yourself of your former nature. Huh? The old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. So it says that it grows corrupt. Sin begins to grow. It'll grow. Kind of like the illustration I gave a indigo. That's why it's important that I learn to repent. And I said, Lord, I don't want to do that stuff no more. So he says it grows that way. But he challenges us to put those things off. Keep reading And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Constantly renewed. A daily thing that you change the way you think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. i got to start thinking about the things that Jesus teaches me. And he ends in verse 24 and says, That you put on the new man. So we are told to put off the old man, put on the new man. And look what he says about the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, when it comes to sin in my past, they just don't go away. They just aren't outgrown. Sometimes people have the thought, well, you know, when I get to be about 50, I'll quit doing those things. It'll just naturally quit. It's not going to happen that way. There's a choice here that says, you know what? I've got to put off that old man, and I've got to put on the new one. Now, here's your little analogy that I believe will help you today. We're driving in the country, and we have a flat tire. We get out to fix the flat tire. We get the car all jacked up, and we pull out our lug wrench. And we realize the lug wrench is just a smidgen too big. But we go ahead and do it. And we start working on those bolts and those nuts to get them off. And before long, we've stripped every one of them. So now our predicament is worse than when we started. We didn't fail because of lack of effort. We failed because we had the wrong tool. What am I saying? Many times in our life, we've tried to fix ourselves. And we've ever tried to fix yourself, it wear you out trying to be God. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You know why? Because we are never created to be God. So what would happen if we use the same effort, the same diligence, the same discipline, but with the right tool? So what's the right tool? Jesus, His blood. I keep hanging around Him. Remember, I'm married to Him. Now, in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verse 22, it says a couple things. It says, number one, flee youthful lusts. Run from youthful lusts. Every one of us in here that are any age, we can probably go back to our teenage years, and that's where things got rooted in our hearts Uh, not to identify ages in here, but how many of you have ever struggled in an area and when you track it back, you knew it was in your teenage years? Okay. See, again, the Bible proves itself out. So not only do I say that for all of us in here, but for you young ones. Flee youthful lusts. See, in my own life, I would have never imagined what that first drink of alcohol at the age of 12 would ultimately lead to. It's like the liar. The little first white lie that he told. He never would have realized that ultimately it could keep him in bondage where he becomes a habitual liar. What about the person in pornography? What's wrong with just a little peek at that? And so again... The first thing he says is flee youthful lust. Stay away from it. But then the next thing he says is pursue righteousness. So now we're supposed to flee one thing, but to pursue another. So what happens in this life, we're either chasing or we're being chased. And when I look at these things... The Lord Jesus still has power to set us free. But we've got to get a hold of these things. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.